Hi, this is Jonathan with LimitlessMindset.com and today I'm conducting a interview with Romy Nelson and she is a dietetic technician registered. Hey Romy, how are you today? Great Jonathan, how are you? Excellent, excellent. I'm just here uh, snacking on some cinnamon covered almonds. Right, right. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and uh, experience as a dietitian? Yeah, well, I actually was an overweight teenager and young adult myself, and so I had exercise, but didn't seem like no matter what I did or how much I did, I could lose weight. So I actually um, got some help and learned how to, to eat the five, six small meals a day, and eight months later, I did my first fitness competition, and I won. And um, I went on to do eight total figure and fitness competitions, and I was so fascinated by the nutrition and how you could just basically get so healthy, because I had a lot of health problems, too, that went away, but how you could get so lean and healthy with nutrition and doing it right. So I went back to school because I wanted to know the science behind it, and then I went into private practice. I was actually a school teacher for years, but I went back to school, and now I'm in private practice. I do a lot of corporate nutrition. I've written a book. I have a podcast, which can be found at romynelson.com, and that's the nutrition podcast, and a lot of TV spots and videos on the website as well. Okay, cool. Excellent. I will check out that podcast. What was the name of your book? The book is called Be Lean, How to Get the Body You Love and Love the Body You Have, and that's on Amazon, so if you just put in Romy and Be Lean in the Amazon search, it's also on Kindle. Okay, and you were also the top dietitian in Arizona a couple of years back, correct? Well, we have two designations. There's the RD and the DTR. Yeah, and I was uh, Dietetic Technician of the Year in 2009 in Arizona. Wow, congratulations. And how, how was that? Uh, how Was that because of the book? How did they measure that? Actually, the book was published in 2004, and I, I, I was awarded that in 2009. Your colleagues nominate. Actually, I didn't even know somebody had nominated me, but... Um, I also teach adjunct at some at community colleges in the nutrition department, and so somebody actually had nominated me, a professional contact of mine, and I, I was awarded it. Okay, cool, cool. So uh, in this interview, kind of our objective here is most of our listeners saw the movie Limitless. And in the movie, there's this guy and he's kind of a loser, but then he takes this drug and he gets super smart and he goes and has all these adventures and accomplishes all these things that most people never accomplish in our lives. And so after seeing that movie, myself, and a lot of the people that are listening to this went out and kind of like got inspired and were like, okay, what would it actually take to to do that in real life, to become limitless in real life? And my opinion, after doing quite a bit of research and searching out there, is that a lot of it comes down to the kinds of foods that we're putting in our body and the kinds of things that we are feeding our brain. So in preparation for this interview, I did quite a bit of Googling and reading up on what foods are good for the mind and what foods hurt the mind. 
And, mm-hmm. and the conclusion that I've reached is that for the average American person to switch to what we could call a limitless diet, meaning that they eliminate all the bad stuff and start eating just the stuff that's good for their brain, they would have to make some pretty radical changes. And this got me started wondering, if someone was just going to make two changes to their diet, um, and the two changes would be eliminating one food group from their diet, and then adding or drastically increasing another food group from their diet, what would be? what would those two food groups be? So I'm kind, of, I'm kind of trying to get an idea of what two food groups, one eliminated and one increased, would give us kind of like the most bang for our buck in our, uh, in our, di- in our, in our, di- in our change of diet. Romy? Okay, great, great questions. Well, food groups is kind of a, a little bit of an outdated concept, so I'm not sure what you mean by food group, but if I had to say a category of food, I would say eliminating processed foods. And for the group, as far as increasing, I would say the anything that's what we consider whole food. So anything our ancestors could have eaten. So that's, you know, obviously your fruits and vegetables and things like, you know, sweet potatoes and, you know, just like whole oats, not, not wheat at all because wheat was not eaten until agriculture. So basically anything that our ancestors ate before agriculture, a lot of lean meats, nuts, raw nuts specifically. But yeah, I would say increasing the fruits and vegetables and eliminating processed food. Okay, gotcha. Now, processed foods, can you give me some examples of like processed foods that are the worst offenders in your opinion? Well, um... Process basically means anything that's been um, altered, refined. So examples of processed food is most of the wheat in the food supply. When you see wheat, even if it's whole wheat, or even worse, is where you see bleached, enriched, um, quote, you know, wheat flour, but it's been basically all the endosperm and all of the fiber, all of the nutrients have been removed. So when you see uh, basically any kind of wheat or at all, um, or flour, so most white flours um, are, are going to be those foods. Like even white rice is highly refined. It's not really in its natural state. So, yeah, I would say that that would be a really good place to start. But other processed foods are pretty much anything that's bagged, packaged, plastic, anything that comes in a container. If you see words like high fructose corn syrup, if you see preservatives, artificial flavors, um, all kinds of chemicals, uh, you know, any, anything that's basically not natural, then it's probably highly processed. When you see hydrogenated oils, that's trans fats, and those are not, those are not natural, and they're quite dangerous. Okay. Another one of the dietitians that I interviewed suggested completely removing um, bread as a, as a food group. Well, what is your opinion on that? Well, yeah, I, I personally, the only bread that I eat is called Ezekiel bread. I don't eat any bread that would say, you know, whole wheat, flour, or enriched, uh, you know, nothing with flour. The Ezekiel bread is actually flourless bread, and it's uh, high in protein and fiber. It's actually live food, so it must stay refrigerated or frozen. But it's wheat a lot closer to the wheat um, that would be maybe what our ancestors had right at the onset. Um, before it became processed and refined. But yeah, I, you won't see me eat bread except for Ezekiel bread, or if I'm having what I call a cheat meal, because I think in any lifestyle change, 
Um, it's what we do 85%, 90% of the time that matters. You can't tell somebody they can never eat a piece of cake again, which is obviously bread, or never have a piece of pizza again, but maybe going away from wheat and looking at gluten-free sources of, of um, those types of foods, and you need to still eat those foods. But I would be pretty much in agreement with the other dietitian that there really is no reason to eat bread or pasta or cereal. Okay, right on, right on. But Ezekiel, and where do you find Ezekiel bread? Well, do you have Trader Joe's near you? I believe, yeah, I believe we've got one here in downtown Denver. Okay, I'm out of Phoenix, and the best price on the Ezekiel bread is in um, the Trader Joe's. Um, it's like three forty nine a loaf. If you get it at the other grocery stores that do have it in the natural food section, it's closer to $5 a loaf. But, again, you're paying for actual true quality food. It's real food versus bread, which is, again, I don't even consider it food. Um, you know, wheat bread, it's not, to me, it's not even, it, it, it's something I just don't consider real food. It's, it's an artificial process, you know, item. So Ezekiel bread, you're paying more, but it's, like I said, flourless, it's real live food. Um, and the cinnamon raisin is, is my favorite, but there are some other flavors. You do have to toast it, I think, um, to make it definitely more, more palatable, but, um, most of my clients love it and report quite a bit of inch loss and more energy and more satiety, which means they feel more full when they eat it. Okay, cool, cool. I will definitely make sure that we include Ezekiel bread along with uh, places to find it in the uh, notes to go along with this audio program. So uh, moving on to the next question, if I start taking a multivitamin or supplement for a particular, for, for something that's good for my brain, does that mean I can stop taking it in food form? Like for example, if I'm taking a, a healthy dosage of DHA supplements, Will I get any additional benefit from eating fish frequently? Yeah, great question. You always want to start with food. So ideally, because our bodies are designed to pull nutrients from actual real food, and again, that means not processed food. So yeah, if you're eating more salmon and more fatty fish that have DHA, which is an omega-3, that's great. But maybe there's weeks where you don't eat as much. And so I take my omega-3 supplement every day, no matter what. Um, I do 2,000 milligrams of a high-quality omega-3 DHA EPA, even on the weeks that I have more fish. But you can back off on the weeks where you eat more fish. But there's some supplements that you might have to take every day, like vitamin D3. Um, especially, you wouldn't want to miss a dose if you live in a place where it's cold, like, you know, where you are in Denver, where there's little sunlight in the winter. So some supplements you're going to take every day. Other supplements you might vary depending on how good your nutrition is. But omega-3, the reason we take omega-3 isn't just because we're not eating enough fish. In the American food supply, remember all the processed foods I talked about? Those mm -hmm. have a lot of omega-6s. All those added oils, the, uh, the corn oils, the safflower and soy oils, they put way too much omega-6 in the diet. And that's not good for our brain or our bodies, and it, it increases inflammation. So I take an omega-3 supplement, and I have my clients do so, because that actually reduces inflammation, and it gives you that ancestral ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. And it's, it's real important, I, I would say, for most people to take it every day. But if you have certain health conditions, you do need to consult your nutrition professional, because some people need a lot more than 2,000 milligrams of omega-3. 
Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah, my next uh, my next question was about omega three. So you uh, you covered that pretty thoroughly. And um, yeah, what I had what I've heard you know pretty consistently throughout my research of this topic is that omega three is one of those just like really essential things that's really great for our mind that most people don't get enough of. So I've definitely I, 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 that's. My high, that's my highest recommendation to people when I'm talking about when I'm talking with friends and I'm like, hey, did you see the movie Limitless? And they're like, yeah, that was an awesome movie. You know, how would you actually do that? And I, I almost one of the first things I usually say is omega three is a really important thing to uh, step up in your diet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I have uh, all my podcasts. We cover all these nutrients and vitamins, and we've done episodes just on omega three and sections of the show because I'm in agreement with you. I I mean, the difference, um, there's people who can get their children off of those ADD drugs. A lot of times, the doctors are not aware of the nutritional aspects. Some doctors are becoming aware, but a lot of the studies done on children is that they're not, there's nothing wrong with these children and they don't have a, quote, chemical imbalance. They actually have a lack of omega-3, specifically DHA, which you refer to, Jonathan, in their brains. And that's because, again, the American diet is so overloaded with omega-6s and there's not enough omega-3 so these poor kids are not getting enough omega-3 so their brain can't work effectively. you got to remember 60% of the human brain is made up of fat and we need the right kinds of fats and that's your omega-3, your DHA and without that you're right, you're going to be pretty limited if anything. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting comparison because I've heard a, a lot of, in the movie Limitless, the drug that he takes, I've heard a lot of people compare that, and it's a fictional drug, it doesn't actually exist in the real world, but I've heard a lot of people compare this fictional drug to like Adderall or Ritalin, um, and yeah, I think that, I think that Physicians just go way too overboard with prescribing Adderall and Ritalin to, you know, to kids. So I think that's a really cool suggestion for, you know, all the people out there that, you know, have kids that have ADD. And I I was even, I was even diagnosed with ADD when I was younger and I took Ritalin and now I try to eat right and I feel, you know, awesome and productive as opposed to, you know, the way that I did when I was uh, on Ritalin or Adderall in years past. So, uh, Really cool suggestion there. So next question. In my research, I've heard how important anthocyanin and the other phytochemicals are to your mind. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of crappy at, uh, if someone's kind of crappy at shopping for fruits and vegetables, is there, a, can they get... The, their phytochemicals from supplements, or is it always recommended that they get them from fruits and vegetables? That's a great question. Really, fruits and vegetables with phytochemicals, and the reason why I say that, even though I'm a big proponent of taking a multivitamin and vitamin D and omega-3 and probiotics and many others, the issue with the phytochemicals is we don't really know if they can work in pill form. There's still research, so it's up in the air. I'm not going to say it's not possible, but Really, the thing that's interesting about phytochemicals is they seem to work what we call synergistically. So if you have a whole fruit, a whole vegetable, they work together, and the various phytochemicals seem to have a power when you eat them in whole food that they don't have when you pull out particular components and put them in a pill. Again, there might be exceptions. There, there There's tons of research going on on those, like revesterol for 
you know, people want to take revesterol pills instead of the wine. Um, and I, you know, I understand all that. But we, we just don't know. There's not enough research. What I will say is if you have trouble getting fruits and vegetables, start with just one or two a week. Make a commitment to have one, just buy one or two vegetables. Plan a certain meal to eat those. The other option is to get a Vitamix or, or a blender. And if you're going to throw in protein powder and almond milk, you can throw the raw fruit or vegetable in your blender or Vitamix, and you can have a whole, it's whole food. See, the problem with juicing is you pull out all the fiber, and the fiber is very important so your blood sugar doesn't spike and you don't end up with, you know, blood sugar fluctuations and hunger and, and overweight as well, because a lot of juice can end up in it resulting in overweight if you're just adding that to your usual diet. So if you put the whole fruit, fruit or vegetable into the blender um, and make a shake, then you're getting all the nutrients, but you're not having to necessarily figure out how to eat it with a meal. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that's 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 good to know cuz and that could be something too where I know a lot of people will make like will make their shake and then while they're working cuz you know a lot of us, you know, work at desks or in front of computers nowadays. So people that are looking for, you know, a healthy shake that they can Eat, that they can drink while they're doing that, you know, and be getting the good stuff in their body as opposed to drinking a soda or, or pounding down coffee in the mornings. Absolutely, yeah, I'm in agreement with you there, so, yeah. Okay, I've heard that certain cooking techniques remove the good, natural ingredients from foods. What types of cooking methods do you recommend, and what kinds don't you recommend for keeping the maximum nutritional brain power in the foods that we're buying? Well, and this is getting back to the raw fruits and vegetables. I don't eat any, and some of my clients, I do have them steam their vegetables because they can't eat them any other way, but I eat uh, a lot of raw vegetables throughout the day. I even have three handfuls of raw, leafy, organic greens with my breakfast, so I'm pretty extreme with that. Um, so the more raw with fruits and vegetables, the better. You always want to eat the skin. I do steam my sweet potatoes, but you leave the skin on those because that's where the vitamins, minerals, and fiber is. But the more raw fruit vegetables, the better. If you have to cook your vegetables, you want to lightly steam them. As far as meat, we don't have a choice. We have to cook that. Uh, but grilling, if you grill it in such a way that you char the meat, that does cause cancer-causing chemicals called carcinogens to be produced. So if you eat charred meat or blackened meat, it's got cancer-causing chemicals. So, um, again, the way to kind of counteract some of that is to add more of the raw, whole food for vegetables to as many meals as possible. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now, grilling, like, you know, I'm like most Americans. I real, I enjoy grilled meat. And grilled meat is not necessarily a bad thing, correct? No, it's not. I mean, I eat a lot of grilled chicken, and, and you know, I'll do that. But you just have to be careful not to char it. When it's, it's blackened and charred, that's where you're getting into those cancer-causing chemicals. Okay, okay, gotcha. So let's talk some about snacks because uh, I enjoy snacking. I think I think snacking's you know a great way to keep yourself sustained throughout the day. Can you can you tell me what type of snacks you recommend highest? What type of snacks you know are good for keeping our you know are are great for our brain? Uh, and then what type of snacks should be avoided? Okay, well, 
well, avoid's easy because that's, again, all the processed packaged things. The less ingredients something has, probably likely the more healthy it is. So I, if you need something fast, I like the nutrition bars that are gluten-free, whole food, natural bars. My favorite bar is the Zing Bar. I like the Lara Bar, the Kind Bar, the Bora Bora, and the Trio Bar. Um, and, and they're all free, and they're all soy-free as well. And um, the other good snacks, of course, are going to be your fruits and vegetables. So like an apple with almond or cashew nut butter is a great quick snack. You can do some uh, sliced raw cucumber and dip them in hummus or guacamole, which hummus and guacamole have healthy fat if they're made with olive oil. Um, you can do, um, if you need the chips and you have to have the salty and the crunchy and you want to stay away from the wheat and the gluten, there's rice chips out there that, again, you can dip in guac or hummus for that healthy fat. Um, the other thing you can do is eat a meal for a snack. For instance, you could chop up some of um, those vegetables we talked about with some salsa and then put in that salmon, Jonathan, that you were talking about to get your omega-3. So you might have at your desk this nice, beautiful salmon salad with green leafy vegetables and eat that as one of your five or six small meals. So the idea is to fuel your body throughout the day. Don't eat two or three big meals, but eat five or six small meals eating every two or three hours. Okay, cool, cool, thanks. Uh, you, there, you, brought, you brought something up that I wanted to ask about that I needed some clarification on. I've I've heard that. T- tell me about butter and margarine. Should we be eating butter and margarine? Well, I, I choose really. I, I don't use them at all. I mean, if I if I'm baking and I'm having a cheat meal, of course I'll bake gluten free. But I might use butter in a recipe if it's going to be you know I'm baking for an event or a holiday or something. But I don't eat butter day to day. But if you're going to choose butter over margarine, butter absolutely is the way to go because it's actual real food. Margarines are, if, if they're with trans fats, which is hydrogenated oils, they're very dangerous and they cause heart disease. So you always want to choose real butter, um, organic if possible. I'm real into organic uh, dairy, organic meat, any animal food, and even fruits and vegetables that you can buy organic is better. So I buy organic butter. But again, I, I don't eat it day to day. I don't find that I need it. But if you're going to use a spread, go with the real butter. Okay, okay, gotcha. Now, uh, okay, so we're saying the word organic a lot. One of the, one of the other resources I, f- I found was a website called eatwild.com. I was going to see if you could recommend any other good website-type resources for finding good organic local food. You know what? Actually, your farmer's markets. And in Arizona, I know our website is azfarmersmarket.net or .com. But if you just Google um, your local farmer's market, they're all over the country. And they have a lot all like, the local farmers will bring their organic produce, fruits and vegetables. Um, you can buy your raw nuts there, which is another great snack idea. It's a quarter cup of raw nuts, almonds, cashews, pecans, walnuts. And um, you can also get the wild caught fish at the farmer's markets, the grass-fed organic beef and chicken, even pork. So that's what I recommend the most. As far as websites off the top of my head, I can't honestly tell you because I usually shop for that stuff um, locally and at farmer's markets. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Next question here. 
I've no, I know that there's a couple of different supplements that are good for memory, like uh, rosemary and curcumin and ginkgo biloba. You know, the things that you could you know take in pill form or you can buy in the the supplement area of the grocery store at the GNC or whatever. Are there some other supplements you could recommend for memory and mind power cognition? You know, the omega-3 that we discussed, I would say, is at the top of that. I haven't had too many clients tell me that that hasn't helped them. For the most part, I would say 90% of people, if they get the, a good quality omega-3, that's usually enough. Some people like something called uh, PS, which is phosphatidylserine, and that, for some people, is oh, really can, great. Can, you, can you say that a little bit slower? Oh, I'm sorry. Phosphatidylserine, it's usually called PS for obvious reasons. Um, and that one is also, you know, been pretty well researched. I haven't used it a lot among my clients, and again, I haven't needed to. Most people, if they're getting enough of their B vitamins, which are especially B12, which is a real neurological vitamin. The problem with B12 is you can't really take it in, in um, the pill form and swallow it. You have to either get injections or use a sublingual drop or tablet, which you can get at any health food store. But So I would say B12 for neurological and cognition as well as the omega-3 would be the number one. Okay, and you can get a lot of B12 in bananas, correct? B12 is actually highest in your, your meat, in your animal foods. So a lot of vegans and vegetarians absolutely have to supplement with a B12 supplement, uh, especially vegans. It's because it's, it's the animal foods that are the highest. There are some, there is some B12 in other foods, but primarily it's your animal foods. Okay, gotcha. So like our tuna and our salmon, we're going to get a lot of B12 in that? Some, some. It's Yeah, it's in all animal foods, and I can't remember the exact uh, micrograms or milligrams right now, but it's. I still find a lot of people, though, even if they're meat eaters, are, are B12 deficient. So sometimes, at least for a little while, because your body will store up B12, that a lot of people find that that really helps with cognition and energy, cellular energy, and so those would be the ones that I, I would say I have the most experience and have done the most research on. But um, the PS is, is looking promising. Some people swear by the ginkgo biloba. The thing that's exciting to me about nutrition is we're all different. I know, you know, a lot, the temptation is kind of to think, oh, well, you know, this one pill or this one nutrient will be good for everybody. But we're all different. And so when you're talking about medications, supplements, even specific diets, Everybody is a little different because of genetics, stress, environment, exercise, are they athletes, are they couch potatoes? So you really have to individualize all your supplements and even diet recommendations to that person. Okay, interesting. And people can, of course, contact you for consultation about their individualized, uh, their individualized diet needs. Yeah, I work with clients all over the country, and people can find me at uh, my website, which is romynelson.com, or my business site, which is the number 4naturalfitness.com. But people can also find dietetic professionals in their area all over the country at eatright.org. Okay, cool, cool. Moving on to the next question. So living a limitless lifestyle takes a lot of energy and productivity. So other than what we've covered already, can you speak to or give some tips about ways to maximize our energy and productivity levels throughout the day? 
Yeah, the five small meals is the biz biggest secret I could give people. Um, and if you're addicted to coffee, um, it's not a deal breaker, but I would say you want to try to phase off that. You might go through the withdrawal headaches, but um, eventually moving to green tea. Uh, with and, and if you're using any artificial sweeteners, moving away from those to stevia, or stevia as it's called in South America. And, yeah, I would say... Um, Starting your breakfast with your day with breakfast with um, high protein, a lot of fiber, and then doing that eating every two three hours, and you'll you'll be limitless. I mean, the things you'll be able to do are incredible when you eat small amounts. Making that time for thirty minutes of exercise at least five days a week. If you don't exercise, you should expect to be tired, exhausted, and lethargic because our bodies are meant to move. And um, so the exercise and the nutrition, I would say, would be the keys. If you're not eating properly and you're just drinking coffee on an empty stomach every morning, you should expect to feel exhausted and unproductive. Okay. I wanted to ask you also about energy drinks and thoughts. I mean, energy drinks and the energy shots. I, I think it's probably common sense that they aren't great for you, but we all kind of need an energy shot from time to time. So I'm wondering if there's a energy shot that's not as bad out there that you could recommend or if you just, if you just recommend staying away from them. Yeah, I can't think of one that I recommend. Um, if you need B12, then just get a sublingual B12 supplement that goes under the tongue. It'll dissolve. You can get them at the health food store. Or see your doctor for a B12 shot or your naturopath for a, a B12 shot. Um, but if you need that, that means you're low in B12, and that's legitimate. But no, you said everybody needs that shot. If you're eating properly and exercising, you should feel limitless. I mean, you're going to need sleep, of course, because sleep is very, very important. That eight hours, you know, at least seven, but eight to nine hours a night is, is appropriate. But if people are feeling like they're dragging, there's something wrong with their diet, their exercise, there might be something wrong with their health, or they're, or they're not sleeping enough. Okay, okay, gotcha. And yeah, I wanted to uh, address one of the things is I know a lot of people out there, especially a lot of people that are kind of like you and me that are that are either like self-employed or they work for themselves or they work on commission, that we kind of run on our energy to do our work throughout the day. Um, and that's, you know, if we don't get it, we don't, we don't make money, we don't make a living. And so I think that, I think that a lot of people, I think my I have a hypothesis that the reason that a lot of people don't eat right is because of economics and because they think that eating like fast food or eating cheap food from Walmart or King Supers is going to save them money. But I, I have a hypothesis and I'm, I'm going to, I'm kind of testing this on myself right now that over time, if we're eliminating things like the energy drinks and the candy bars, etc., that over time, we're actually going to save ourselves money because we're not going to be eating these expensive processed foods. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, you know, nailed it, right there, that's it. I mean, I, I'm always dealing with my clients who are saying, oh, it's too expensive to eat healthy, but they're so exhausted, and they're not as productive, and they're snapping at their spouses and at their kids, and they're they're miserable. So I'm like, spend the three forty nine to $5, get the loaf of Ezekiel bread, you're going to be unstoppable. You're going to be able to see the difference if you get rid of that processed wheat bread that you've been eating, 
And um, yeah, I mean, you got it. You got to put a little bit of money into it up front. But if you shop your local farmers market, shop the sales. If you and, and Jonathan, you said it correctly. A lot of people think they're saving money on the ninety-nine cent value menu, but if you add up what you're spending on junky processed food, fast food, soda, energy drinks, put that money towards real food. You're going to feel like a million bucks, and you're going to make more money. Okay, gotcha. Uh, let's talk about alcohol. Obviously, alcohol is not good for the mind at all, but uh, most people drink in moderation or drink socially. Are there certain kinds of alcohol that are better than others, and is there ways to counteract some of the negative effects that alcohol has on the mind and body? Well, if you say, well, like you said, in moderation, there shouldn't be an issue. Um, it's That's one drink a day for females, two for males. So it's not a very, uh, that's the standard, and it's a pretty strict standard. But if you're, um, if you're just doing that, you don't have to worry about the kind. If you are trying to eliminate wheat or gluten, then obviously beer, unless it's gluten-free beer, would not be a good idea. So I, I usually recommend to my clients, if they insist on drinking, then to do, um, I like uh, sake, which is made from rice. It's a little bit of a cleaner alcohol. Uh, champagne um, and wine, if they can tolerate wine. Some people get headaches from wine. And then, of course, your clear alcohols, your vodka, um, you, you know, the clear alcohols. But, again, it's the quantity that's going to impair your judgment, your mind, and affect, you know, it's basically a toxin. So if you're having too much alcohol, even drinking the, quote, cleaner alcohols, isn't going to be any benefit to you. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Are you still there? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. Kind of dropped off for a minute. I just wanted to make sure Skype was uh, was picking us up. Now, I wanted to ask about people that smoke because I believe, what is, I believe it's something like 22% of the American population smokes and smoking is quite simply like pretty much the most limit, the most limiting thing that someone can do for their mind are there can you make some suggestions to people to the diet if, if someone's like okay i want to stop smoking are there some dietary suggestions that help people with stopping to smoke you know i'm not aware of anything in particular i think if you're eating healthy and doing the five six small meals and you have more nutrients your, your body's going to be better able physiologically to handle the withdrawals that you're going to suffer, but not everybody suffers withdrawals. It's interesting, of all the clients I've spoken with over the years who quit smoking, a lot of them, um, it, they said they didn't have physical cravings. Other people said they had both physical and emotional addiction to the habit, the physical you know, movement of bringing their fingers to the mouth and the oral fixation. So everybody's a little different. Um, I know that there are some natural herbal remedies that block the receptor sites, the nicotine receptor sites. Some people swear by that. Some people swear by his hypnosis. Other people quit cold turkey. But I always think no matter what you're doing in life, whether you're taking on a new job or project or new relationship or trying to quit smoking or any other addiction, alcohol, if you have good nutrition behind you, you've got exercise as a stress reliever, you're much more likely to be successful. Okay, cool. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So let's talk about eating out because people consume a lot of their food when they're eating out. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, sometimes, so, uh, Let's talk first about fast food restaurants because I know everyone knows that fast food can be very bad for you, but I know that there's some 
fast food restaurants out there that market themselves at least as being healthy fast food. So what are your recommendations as far as like genuinely eating healthy fast food um, and, and what, are the, what are the best restaurants out there if people are going to eat fast food? Okay, well, we're probably talking to a national audience. I'm not sure. Do you have Chipotle by you? Yes, I love Chipotle. Okay, yeah. When you have a restaurant like that where they don't, they use, um, you know, the animals, and I'm not sure if it's their beef or chicken or both, where there's no antibiotics, no hormones, and you're looking at that. Um, I also was at um, a, a Jason's Deli here in Arizona, and I was amazed I got the salad bar, and almost all the uh, vegetables were organic, especially the leafy greens. I was really, really pleased. So I think that um, the, the restaurants that are offering organic, gluten-free, they're offering um, options where it's whole grain, more fruits and vegetables, where instead of fries, you can substitute a fruit or cottage cheese. Any restaurant that lets you make more choices and offers you more natural, organic choices, socially responsible choices, is going to have something. The other thing, though, the key I tell all my clients, even if you're addicted to fast food and you're trying to lose weight or, or control your calories, all chains have their calories along with their other nutritional information online. The sodium, if you have high blood pressure, you have to watch sodium, fats, um, carbs, proteins. It's all listed on their websites if they're national chains. So it's not hard if you're not... You know, if you're not opposed to taking 30 seconds to go on your restaurant's website and take a look at what they offer. And the other key is they should offer modifications, even a sit-down restaurant. If you say, okay, can you give me the dressing on the side? All of those kinds of things, if they are willing to do that request, then that's, that's a great place to eat. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, and we'll, I will, uh, I'll do, so, so, some fast food restaurants that you recommend, we, we talked about Chipotle, we talked about Jason's Deli, I've heard good things about Panera Bread, can you make, uh, do some other fast food chains come to mind when you think about places that would be good to eat at? You know what, I'm going to be honest, I don't eat fast food, so, um, I mean, I don't consider Chipotle fast food necessarily. I, do you have Rubio's and Baja Fresh? We have Baja want? Fresh, yes. Okay, that's another good one. Um, it, maybe if you throw out some that you would know, because I, I just don't eat fast food in particular, so do you have any that you that you want to throw out there? Uh, let's see. What about, oh, let me, let me ask you this. What about, like, uh, Mexican places? Because we, well, yeah, here in the, the, the southwestern part of the country, we, we eat a lot of, like, you know, this, this kind of, like, faux, like, Americanized Mexican food. Um, what are, is, is, Mex, is that mostly good? Is that mostly bad? Um, it's, it's all how do you order it. Like, at Chipotle, if I go there, I get chicken, and all I get in there is salsa, and the vegetables and beans. A lot of people, though, will get the burrito, and you've got too many carbs. You've got a processed wheat flour tortilla, and then they stuff it with more carbs, which is beans and rice and then cheese, which, you know, is also not great to eat a lot of cheese. A little bit here and there is okay. And, and so then you have an over 1,000-calorie, very high-carb, very high-fat burrito. But if you're at that same restaurant, you can also order a bowl, and get healthy by choosing exactly what goes in your bowl. So if that makes sense, it's how you order. 
the food. And so you can go to Mexican food and get fajitas instead of a wheat tortilla. You ask for corn tortillas. So you can make anything healthier by modifying it. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Now, so let's talk about like formal or casual dining. The, the restaurants you sit down at and eat with your friend, you know, eat at with family or whatever. Are can you make some recommend like as far as like Chinese restaurants, Italian, Mexican? Uh, is there some, as far as like the different ethnic foods go? Are there uh, are there some that are better than others? Um, can you make some recommendations there? Yeah, it, always looking for a place if it's ethnic food that does not use MSG, that is the most important. MSG has been, um, you know, basically the research is showing it looks like it's turning out to be a neurotoxin. It's very bad for you, so it's monosodium glutamate. So some of the ethnic restaurants will use a lot of that, so you always want to call ahead and make sure they don't use MSG. Um, also, asking them, do they source their meat locally? Um you know, what do they have options where they can you can do just the vegetables and the lean protein? And you have to remember what's cheap is rice, pasta, all those bread and wheat products we talked about are cheap. Uh, French fries are cheap. So they will load up your plate with pasta, breads, rices because they're cheap. So any place that will let you modify so that you're not eating so much processed carbohydrate and more lean vegetables. I'm sorry, lean protein and vegetables, you can eat healthy anywhere. It's just how you order. And if you're choosing, you know, something that's drenched in oil and thick, you know, cheesy dressing or sauce, then it's it's not as healthy. Okay, cool, cool. Well, Romy, that covers the uh, questions that I had here for this interview. So thanks again for your time. Is there anything else? Is there any other points you wanted to make specifically that we haven't covered already? No, I, I think you asked great questions, and uh, I hope it helps your listeners start kind of taking a little little look at, again, one or two behaviors. Don't, don't try to change everything at once, but maybe just trying one or two new vegetables or fruits, adding that, try and eat a little less wheat and see what happens. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks again. That that is our uh, that is our interview. Again, this is Jonathan with limitlessmindset.com and give out your website just one more time. It's romineelson.com. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you.